This last year has been a good year for our church, hasn't it? Some might even say a great year. I don't know if you read the bulletin that we print and hand out every week, but uh, we were sitting around in our staff meeting, Tim and Lulu and I, a couple weeks ago, and we were just kind of talking about all the things that God has done this last year. And so uh, Tim decided we put together a list and printed for you this morning, just to kind of in a, in a small way celebrate all the good stuff that God has done this last year. Uh, we started in January partnering with Assist as they are, helped us begin our search process of searching for a new pastor. Uh, we had to relaunch a bunch of stuff during the course of the year because COVID had kind of shut all that down. And uh, we got our Grace Kids going again. And Heights of Grace started in June. Uh, we started our gathering in the courtyard fellowship time at about uh, 9.40 to 10 is kind of our ballpark for that fellowship time. And uh, just want to encourage others of you to come a little early if you're not coming to the, the Bible study hour and meet us out here. we got some uh, great coffee and juice and snacks and uh, always a good donut, right? And so uh, be a part of that. Uh, if you notice, in March, we launched our search for our new pastor. And that's part of what we're looking for this next year. Um, August was kind of an exciting time as we kind of connected with our city and our city council in a special way. And participated in a couple of cleanup days this year. Um, and that's been an exciting thing. I got invited to pray at the city council meeting back in August as well. Um, just all those things that happened toward the end of the year here in November, October, we got our new church signed. Uh, we delivered 31 care packages for foster girls. That was an exciting project that our women were engaged in. Uh, Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes, 33 of those went off to, to proclaim the gospel. Uh, one of the exciting things for me is we were paying down our loan and uh, we're able out of the the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of our church family to send $40,000 here at the end of the year to pay down that loan. Um, that's exciting to me. I look forward to the day when that, that the whole thing's paid off, right? I'm looking forward to that. So 2021 has been a great year. And my expectation is that 2022 is going to be even better. And we have been searching for a new pastor. We've been talking about this search. I've been encouraging you to pray as we've, we've launched that search. And on January 9th, Sunday morning, January 9th, we are going to be introducing to you our candidate. The search committee has unanimously recommended Pastor Oscar Chavez um, to our elders. Our elders voted just this last week and unanimously to bring him and recommend him to our church, con our church congregation. So on Sunday morning, January 9th, during the Bible study hour, we're going to have an opportunity for you to meet Oscar. We've asked him to kind of come and tell his story, uh, share his testimony, how he came to know Jesus, how God has led him in ministry and brought him to this point in his life. Uh, there will be opportunity during that time for some questions and answers as well. Uh, that's at the 9 o'clock hour, at the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, he's going to be standing where I'm standing, or maybe a little further back. And uh, he's going to be preaching that morning and opening God's Word for us. And then following that in the afternoon at 3 o'clock, we're planning just kind of a question and answer time. Our search committee will be here, our elders will be here. Opportunity for you to ask questions about the process, how we've gotten to where we are, questions about Oscar. Um, that'll be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, January 9th. Sunday, January 16th, the following Sunday, um, Oscar's going to be here again. He'll preach that morning, 
And uh, following that, we'll have kind of an informal lunchtime opportunity for people to kind of mingle informally, get acquainted and talk. And after that lunch thing, uh, we'll have a little more formal kind of a Q&A time as well to ask questions and get further acquainted. So that's the 9th, the 16th, the following Sunday on the 23rd, um, after the service, uh, we plan to have a congregational meeting, opportunity for conversation, discussion, questions, and ultimately, uh, we'll be asking you to vote to affirm uh, Oscar as our choice to become our new pastor. And hopefully, um, sometime in February, uh, he'll be transitioning from where he lives now in Lancaster over the next three months, and come and relocate here, find a place to live, and uh, he'll be our new pastor. And uh, I've known Oscar for 20 years. He's been a personal friend for many, many years. I couldn't be more excited about him coming. Some of you are asking the question, so what about Pastor Roy? Does he ride off into the sunset on his bicycle? Um, Oscar, and I, Oscar and I have talked two or three times about this much time about me. And there's more conversation to be had, but Oscar has asked me if I would be willing to stay and work with him and help him. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. He and I need to talk about that with our elders. Um, but I'm not planning to go anywhere. If that's your question, I'm planning to be here and planning to be supportive of, of Oscar in uh, whatever way that I can. And so I, I'm excited about him coming. I'm excited about the next two Sundays or a couple Sundays away. It's... 2022 is going to be a great year, okay? Now, some, some of us last week said, well, you know how to pronounce next year. You know how to pronounce the, the numbers for next year, right? What is it? How do you pronounce the numbers for next year? 2022. Well, you could also pronounce it 2022. And we don't want a 2020 again, right? Okay. So 2022 is going to be a good year. It's going to be a great year. And I, I hope you will continue to pray, continue to pray for this process, continue to pray for Oscar, continue to pray for our church. Uh, 2022 is going to be a great year. That's my expectation. And as I've prayed about uh, 2022, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions. I don't know if any one of you are really big. You write down resolutions and stuff. Um, I got kind of tired of that several years ago because... You know, most people make New Year's resolutions on January 1st, and then they lose sight of those resolutions or break them by January 2nd or the 3rd or the 4th. And so that's really, that's really depressing, isn't it? So I'm not real big on New Year's resolutions. But as I have prayed for our church and prayed for 2022 and looking forward, I believe that what God wants to do in 2022 is to bring renewal and revival into each of our hearts, each of our homes, into our church, and into our world. And so I've chosen as kind of my theme as I anticipate where God is going to take us this year, the two words come alive. And those two words are on the front of your bulletin this morning. And my prayer is that God's going to cause us personally, individually, collectively together to come alive in some new and exciting ways. God wants to do that in your life and my life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature, brand new person. Old things are passed away, become, behold, all things are become new. And so I believe God wants to do some new stuff. He wants to do some new stuff in your life, 
in your life, in your life, and in my life. And so that's my expectation as I look forward to the coming year. And as I prayed about that, one of the kings in the Old Testament has kind of jumped into the forefront of my thinking. As I'm, I'm looking for a role model. I'm looking for someone to kind of show me what that ought to look like. And so if you come with me this morning to 2 Kings chapter 22, I want us to look at the life of King Josiah. And we're going to read, uh, jump around a little bit in chapter 22 and into chapter 23, and I'm going to pop just for a moment into the parallel passage in 2 Chronicles 34. But we're going to take a look into Josiah's life, his reign as king. And there's three big ideas that I want that I that I see in the life of King Josiah. As I think about the future that God has for us, as I think about a year of revival and renewal in each of our hearts and lives, in our homes, in our churches, and in our world. What does God want to do by way of renewal? And so come with me this morning to 2 Kings chapter 22. Let's read and see what God has for us. The opening verses of chapter 22 introduce us to King Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. Can you all repeat those names together with me? Yeah, that's what I thought. He did right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the ways of his father David. Nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. And just because the parallel passage of 2 Chronicles adds one thought, uh, it says, He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. For, this is added in Chronicles, not in 2 Kings, just this idea. For in the eighth year of his reign, how old would he be if he started reigning at eight? Good, you guys are good with that. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his father David. And so, the first thing that impresses me about King Josiah, and the first thing that I believe must happen in your life and my life, if there's going to be revival, if there's going to be renewal in my life and in your life, what we must do is the same thing that King Josiah did. Where it says that when he was a, yet a youth, he sought the Lord. The first thing that needs to happen in 2022, in your life and in my life, is that we would seek the Lord rightly. Seeking the Lord needs to be a prominent theme in each of our lives. That word to seek that is used here in the Old Testament means to pursue, to hunt, to chase after. And it's a constant theme throughout the scriptures that we would seek after the Lord. The passage that Bet read for us this morning as he opened the service, the Apostle Paul standing in that Greek amphitheater proclaiming, uh, you've got this idol to an unknown God. Hey, I'm here to tell you about that God. And he tells them, that they should seek after him if perhaps they might grope and find him. The Old Testament talks often about seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek him with all your heart. If you seek him, guess what? You'll find him. 
And more times than not, the scripture says he's seeking for us. But to seek after the Lord. To seek after the Lord. My wife has these little uh, caramel candies that she really, really likes. And sadly, I have now become addicted to these caramel candies that my wife loves. But we go through them really quickly because both of them, both of us like them now. And they're hard to find. Um, I went online and found them three times as much money. At, but the only place I can find them is CVS. Anybody shop regularly at CVS? Okay. Yeah, several of us, okay. And you got all those trees that have died for all the receipts that, you know, they give out those receipts for six feet long. But the only place I can find these is at CVS. And so I've got two CVSs near my house, one, at, one in Laverne where I live and one in the next city in San Dimas. And so whenever I'm driving around and I go by those two places, I kind of swing in, do a quick scan to find these special caramel candies. Now, I don't know who does merchandising and puts stuff on the shelf, but sometimes I go in and the candies will be in on the third, the third aisle all the way at the end. And another time I'll go in and they're on the fourth aisle on this end. And then another time, they keep moving them around. They are playing with me, Ed. They're messing with me. And so sometimes I'll wander around trying to find them. And I finally find them. But they have to only have the coffee flavor. I know. Oh, now you know what I'm talking about, huh? Someone else is addicted. Are you addicted to those two? I don't know what they're called. They're called nips. Yeah. Oh, you know what they are? Yeah. So the coffee ones don't go very fast. And so I'll go in and I'll finally see the box on the shelf. And I'm going, coffee. So now, because they're so hard to find, every time I go past the CBS, I pull in. And every once in a while, I find the mother love. <laughs> I went home one afternoon, north on Studebaker. And you know, there's a CVS on the corner of Imperial. Yeah. yeah. And so I pulled in there, six boxes. Oh, oh the mother love. Six boxes. Did you hide them from Andrea? <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh, you got your back. so, so uh, we we got a supply that lasted us a couple of days at least, right? <laughs> and uh, and I forget where we were several days ago. I was driving through Diamond Bar. I think I got off the 57 freeway because it was so checked up. And I'm driving down Diamond Bar Boulevard. There's a CVS. <laughs> Mother load number two. Oh, oh, oh. Found six more boxes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. We'll be at your house tonight. <laughs> so I shouldn't have told you what they were because now you're going to get them all and I'll never find anymore. My whole point is I'm on this search seeking for nips and they keep moving them around in the store and I have to be persistent and find where they move them to. And I stop at every CVS I go by trying to find them. We need that kind of passion in our pursuit for God. To seek after Him. That in your daily life, there needs to be a daily seeking after the Lord. 
A time alone with the Lord. A time to seek Him. In your life, there needs to be time where you gather together with others to seek the Lord. And that might be here on a Sunday morning. That might be in one of our small groups that gathers throughout the week. But there needs to be a pursuit in your life. Not a pursuit for caramel nips, but a seeking for the Lord. Is seeking for the Lord part of the pursuit of your life? Is that something you think about every day? For King Josiah, this first step is what marked out his reign as king, as being unique and different and amazingly, amazingly different. He was a young man coming to the throne at the age of eight. At the age of 16, it says he sought began to seek the Lord. So age isn't an issue, right? 16 years old, a young man. Age wasn't an issue. Um, Education, training, wasn't an issue. One of the things that's most amazing to me about King Josiah is that his grandfather and his father were two of the worst kings to ever rule in Judah. His grandfather Manasseh was a rotten, rotten king. The phrase that summarizes Manasseh's life over and over again is he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Whereas with King Josiah it says he did right in the eyes of the Lord. His grandfather Manasseh was not a good role model. His father, Amon, (laughs) he was worse. And in fact, he was so bad, he got assassinated. And that's why Josiah became king at the age of eight. So his father and his grandfather, two of the worst kings in the history of Judah. Absolutely awful, awful role models. And yet, in spite of that, In spite of being in a culture that was consumed with idolatry, idol worship, immorality, Josiah began to seek the Lord. There's a little note in there, ladies, that I think is there for a reason. It identifies his mother. Josiah. It's just kind of a throwaway line. There's no throwaway lines in the Bible, right? There's, every line is there for a reason. And it just mentions that Jedida was his mother. And so in my mind, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, so if he had such rotten role models in his father and his grandfather, what is it in his life that pushed him into the right path? What is it in his life that pushed him the right direction? And I don't know that I'm right, but I wonder if it was his mother that influenced him, his mother that played that role in his life. Someone has said there's nothing more powerful than a praying mother, praying grandmother. Josiah. Stop the Lord. 
The second thing that happened in Josiah's life that we need to read about, where my Bible goes, um, he not only sought the Lord rightly, but he searched the scriptures regularly. And I want you to see this in the life of King Josiah, because the scriptures become a kind of a surprise find. They've collected money that's going to be taken to the temple. And King Josiah gives instructions for this money to be taken to the temple, and the guys go and take that money. And in verse 8 of 2 Kings 22, are you tracking here now? Okay. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, he's the guy that's come with, with the money, Hilkiah says to Shaphan in verse 8, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. What does that imply? He lost it, see? So, the scriptures were missing, but nobody missed them. Isn't that amazing? And so, Hilkiah says to Shaphan, Oh, by the way, while you're here, um, I, I found this book. Obviously, we're talking scrolls back in this time. This is long before the 60s, Dave, right? Long before the 60s. You're talking about going back in history here. And so, he says, I found the book of the law. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. Shaphan, the scribe, came to the king and brought back word to the king and said, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have oversighted the house of the Lord. So those funds have been delivered. I've done my job. The work on the temple is going on. Uh, moreover, by the way, uh, Shaphan, the scribe, says, uh, By the way, while I was there, Hilkiah, the priest, gave me the, the book, a book. This is, like, this is just kind of like, oh, by the way. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. So what's the first thing you need to do with the scriptures? Read it. And so, so he reads it, takes it to the king, and now he's reading it to Josiah. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Why did he do that? That's a sign of, of, of repentance, a sign of remorse, a sign of sorrow. Um, he's tearing his clothes at what's being read. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Melchiah, Shephan the scribe, and Azariah the king's servant. I love all those names. Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people in all Judah concerning the words of this book. So he's read the scriptures. He's understood the scriptures. He's been convicted by the scriptures. And he's now looking for more information. I want to know more about this. Help me out here. And so he sends these guys on a mission to talk to a priestess by the name of Huldah. And she has a message, which is a whole other sermon that I don't have time to get into. But she basically tells these servants to go back to Josiah. Because what he has read has frightened him. Because what he has read is news about God's wrath and God's anger about idolatry and sin. The very issues that were the cornerstone of the culture. And she says, tell King Josiah that God is going to judge this nation. But he's not going to do it while Josiah is king. Josiah is going to be allowed to finish his reign before God judges. 
So Josiah has read the scriptures, understood the scriptures, been convicted by the scriptures, and now he's acting on the scriptures. And so as I turn my page, um, she tells him, you've humbled yourself, uh, you've heard the scriptures. Um, verse 20, chapter 23 opens and says, The king sent, and they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah. All the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. All these people. The priests, the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing. Here we are reading the scriptures again. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies, his statutes, with all his heart and all his soul, to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in this book. King Josiah has covenanted with God after reading the scriptures. He's covenanted with God to obey, to walk, to follow what the scriptures say. And we're going to see how he does that in, in just a minute. I wonder sometimes if, if we fully appreciate what we have. We have in our hands, or on your telephone this morning, Oh, who's got a tablet? Got a tablet this morning. What, whatever form it's in this morning, I'm kind of old school. You know, I'm, I like the book. But whatever form it's in, do we really appreciate what we have? That you hold in your hands, whatever medium, you hold in your hands the very words of the eternal creator God. His love letter to you, if you will. Do we really appreciate that? Do we really understand that? I thought, I was thinking about this last night. And I don't know if this illustration works for you or not. But somehow, I found some of the old Beverly Hillbilly uh, TV show episodes on YouTube. You can find anything. Any, any, any Beverly Hillbilly fans? What, what decade? Was that the 70s? What decade was that? 60s. 60s again. We're back in the 60s again. <laughs> so the Beverly Hillbillies started off in Appalachia. And they were dirt poor. Worse than dirt poor. For, for generations. And then all of a sudden, they discover on this land that they have lived on and occupied for generations, they discover oil. What was it called, Dave? Black gold. Texas tea. And everything changes for this family. They load up all their stuff on that truck, and we're going to Beverly Hills. But they lived for generations on that land, unaware of what they have. And I wonder sometimes if, if that's true for us. <coughs> Do we really value what we have? Yesterday in the newspaper, and again this morning, uh, yesterday in the newspaper, there was an article, uh, and I hadn't seen or heard anything about this before, maybe some of you follow the news more closely did, but we launched yesterday into space a new telescope. Thank you. That's just a camera. I knew that went around. 
We've launched into space, NASA and the U.S. government launched into space a new telescope that's going to go a million miles out there. This telescope has been developed over more, more than the last 20 years. The Hubble telescope that's been out there since 1990 has been there almost 32 years. Has kind of worn out its welcome. It's done. We're replacing it with this new 10 billion dollar telescope. Now, the telescope itself cost 10 billion dollars. How much did it cost? for 20 plus or minus years of development and the cost to put it on a rocket and launch it into space. I don't know how much total money has been spent, but the goal and mission of this telescope, the goal and mission is to discover the secrets of the origin of life. Don't, don't take my line away from me. Are you all tracking with Ed? You don't need to spend $10 billion to figure out the origin of life. What do you need to do? Read your Bible. And I think, do we really appreciate what we have? King Josiah under the influence, I believe, of his mother, also the providence of God, sought the Lord rightly. Fully committed to follow and do whatever God tells him. And in the providence of God, on the heels of that decision to seek the Lord, guess what? Scriptures are found. The scriptures are found. And Josiah... As I want to say to you and me this morning, if we want renewal and revival in our hearts and lives, our homes, our church, and our world, we must seek the Lord rightly, and we must search the Scriptures regularly. Last year, in 2021, I invited you to join me on a Bible reading adventure. And I suggested to you, because I was going to be preaching through the Gospel of Mark, I suggested to you, let's read through the Gospels every month. And some of you probably thought, every month? That's 12 times. Excellent math. 12 times. And so every month I laid out a schedule, gave you a plan, and you could read through the Gospels. Three chapters a day, every day for three months, you read through all four Gospels. I, I don't know how many people did that. I don't know how it influenced you or affected you. I've only had one person in the last 12 months verbalize to me the impact of that. And, and she suggested, the more times I'm reading through, I'm finding new stuff I never saw before. Really? I didn't know that could happen. That's why you read it over and over and over again. And so that's what we did last year. I invited you to join me on a journey through the Gospels. So this year... My plan, and what I'm encouraging you to do, come along with me, is to read through the book of Psalms and Proverbs. So Proverbs has 31 chapters. So if you're going to read through Proverbs in a month, how many chapters would you have to read every day? One. One. Now this one's a little tougher. Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> 
Psalms, there's 150 Psalms. Okay? 150. And if you were going to get through 150 Psalms in a month, how many Psalms would you have to read every day? Five, there you go. Bingo. So, if you read five Psalms and one chapter of Proverbs every day, then you get through both books, and the next month you start over again. Psalms and Proverbs, and we do that every month of the year. Some of you are going, no, no, no. Um, so, if you're like my wife, don't tell her I'm saying this. <laughs> she likes to read through the whole Bible every year. That's what I do. I know a lot of you do that. And that's a good thing. Is that a bad thing? No, that's an excellent thing. Uh, and she likes to read through a different translation every year. So I never know where she is. I never know what translation she's in. But every year she's reading through the Bible, different translation. So many of you like to do that. And I don't want to discourage you from doing that. You may have another plan. But I always have a plan to read my Bible every day. Is that a good plan? Yeah. No breakfast, no Bible. Okay? That's, that's the model. No breakfast, no Bible. So, I read my Bible before breakfast. You can eat after breakfast. You can read during breakfast. I don't care. But kind of my thing is no Bible, no breakfast. And so I'm going to be reading through Psalms and reading through Proverbs. The important thing isn't what your reading plan is. The important thing is what? you got a plan. Read. Read. Back in the 70s, when I was when I was teaching Bible study methods at our Bible Institute, Bible Institute in graduate school at Long Beach, my first lesson, and one of my one of my friends picked this up for me, and some of you get his emails every day. Um, he frequently refers to the scriptures, and he refers to the phrase "read, read, read." That was my first my first lecture in that class. The most important thing you can do with your Bible is to read it. And so King Josiah's life, if I'm understanding this, was transformed. His rule as king was transformed. Because he made a commitment to seek the Lord rightly and to search the scriptures regularly. Now the third thing he did is going to be a little bit of a challenge for you. You're gonna, you're gonna, this is the one where the kind of the rubber meets the road. Because he committed, and we must commit, not only to seeking the Lord rightly and searching the Scriptures regularly, but we need to commit to smash... You've got to get these words all lined up with the letters, so you just have to deal with this, okay? We need to learn to smash sin ruthlessly in our lives. And that's what Josiah did. I mean, you read, you read what he did after he got the scriptures and read the scriptures and got this covenant thing going with all the people. Um, in chapter 23, beginning in verse 4, the king commanded uh, Hilkiah, the high priest, the doorkeepers, all these guys. Um, he did away, I'm in verse 5, he did away with the idolatrous priests whom the king of Judah had appointed to burn incense. Uh, he also burned in the sun, the moon. They constantly, they're burning incense to the sun, the moon. The, they're way ahead of our NASA program here. Probably didn't cost them $10 billion, though. 
He brought out the Asherah, more idols. He brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem, burned it in the brook, ground it to dust, threw its dust on the graves. Uh, he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes, which were in the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord. How badly had things deteriorated in Judah, in the city of Jerusalem, in the temple. How badly had things deteriorated under Josiah's father and grandfather? And Josiah is smashing sin ruthlessly. He's burning it. He's chucking it out. Um, he broke down the houses. Uh, that's verse 7. Um, he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense. Uh, he's defiled these places so they can't go back. Uh, he broke down the high places of the gates, entrance of the city. Uh, this list just goes on and on and on of all the things that he did. He burned this. Um, here's the word uh, in my translation where I got the smash. Uh, I'm in verse 12, where it says, um, He smashed them there, the idols. He smashed them, threw their dust into the brook. High places were before Jerusalem. They're torn down, they're smashed. He is ruthlessly rooting out idolatry and sin in the culture in which he lived. And it totally invaded the culture, totally invaded the temple, totally invaded the, the systems of worship. And Josiah is leading this effort to smash sin ruthlessly. Fascinatingly, if you keep reading about verse 21 and following... He reinstitutes Passover. The highlight, at least one of the major highlights in the Jewish calendar, one of the major highlights in the calendar of these people was their worship, their celebration of Passover, where they remembered God's deliverance and rescue from Egypt. Josiah reinstitutes Passover. And my guess as I read this and try to put chronology here is that they had not celebrated Passover for nearly 400 years. Josiah is ruthlessly dealing with sin. You have to admire that. But it all started where? Seeking the Lord rightly, searching the scriptures regularly. And the result of that was he smashed Sin ruthlessly rooted it out. Josiah's reign as king is bookended. Guys, on Tuesday morning, know I like to see bookends. And uh, in the Psalms, we talked on Tuesday morning about how a psalm begins and how it ends and how those bookends look. And if you look at the bookends of Josiah's life, uh, we read the first of the bookends in verse uh, 1 and 2, where it says of Josiah, he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David, nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. And then if you come with me to chapter 23, verse 25, the closing summary of Josiah's life is captured where it says, before him, before Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Nor did any like him arise 
after him. Wow. <laughs> Here's this eight-year-old young boy at the age of 16. Again, factor mom in there, I think. At the age of 16, he begins to seek the Lord. God addresses that search for the Lord by bringing the scriptures into his life. They just happen to get found, right? And so he's not only seeking the Lord rightly, he's now searching the scriptures regularly, and as a result, he smashes sin ruthlessly. And I want to suggest to you as we enter this new year, that God wants to bring renewal, revival into my heart, your heart, into our homes, into our church, and into our world. And if that were to ever happen in 2022, where must it begin? Well, I want to hold up Josiah this morning as our model. It begins by a commitment in your heart and my heart to seek the Lord rightly. To make that a priority in my life. <laughs> to search the scriptures regularly. Make that a priority in my life. Whether you like Roy's reading plan or something else, I don't care. But make that a regular part of your daily life. Seek the Lord rightly. Search the scriptures regularly. And then smash sin ruthlessly. If we make that commitment together, I think God's going to do some amazing things in the year ahead. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God wants to do some new stuff. He wants to do some new stuff in your life and in my life. He wants to do some new stuff in our church. And as we've been praying over this last year in our search for a new pastor, part of the theme that uh, my friends at Assist have encouraged us with is we're praying that God will bring our church into a new day. And God wants to do that in each of our lives. He wants to do that in our church. And so I'm asking you this morning, take inventory as you begin a fresh year. And if you want to make resolutions to lose weight or stop eating sugar or whatever your thing is for the year, go for it. But make it a priority to commit yourself to seek the Lord rightly and search the scriptures regularly and smash the sin So how, how are you doing in those three areas as we begin this new year? Has seeking God been a priority, a part of your life? And if not, make it a priority this year. Has it been a priority in your life to search the scriptures every day, to read, to reflect, to meditate? Make it a priority in the year to come. How, how are you doing with sin in your life? Are there things you tolerate in your life that displease God? Are there things in your life, things that you read, images you see on the computer, Images you watch on television. Are there things in your life that are displeasing to God? And what does God want you to do about those things? 
Well, I hold up Josiah, smash. Smash those things. Smash them and burn them, get rid of them. That's what God wants to do in, in your life and in my life. The story is told of a man by the name of Robert Robinson. It was a Sunday morning in 18th century London. He was walking the streets that morning. Church bells were ringing. He was looking to catch a cab to take him to where his destination was. And he turned to hail a cab that was coming and realized there was already an occupant in the cab. And so lowered his arm and... The young woman in the cab instructed the driver to stop and invited Robert Robinson to come and share the the cab with her. And so they, they continued on and they introduced themselves and she asked him if he was going to church. And Well, Robert Robinson had been a close follower of Jesus in his younger years been a very devoted follower of Jesus for many years. In fact, had written uh, many wonderful poems and, and even hymns uh, about the Lord. But he had drifted away, had wandered away, had lived, lived a life of, of disobedience, of sin, of debauchery, all that stuff. And this young girl, this young woman that he was sharing the cab with, she recognized his name and she said, well, you know, she said, I've been reading a book of poetry written by a Robert Robinson. You, that wouldn't be you, would it? And uh, he admitted it was. And, and she pulled the book out of her, out of her purse and, and she opened it up. And, and as she opened it up, she read some of the poetry that, that he'd written. Um, Oh, where to go here in my notes? Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. <laughs> she handed the book to him and he continued to read the poem that he had written a number of years before. And many of you are familiar with this great hymn. One of the stanzas begins this way. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. As Robert Robinson read these words, his, his eyes filled with tears as he reflected back on the life that he'd been living. How far he drifted from those words that he'd written. He'd lived out that phrase, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. He had lived that out to the max. And so this woman that he was riding in the cab with, as he was weeping, she reminded him, you also wrote, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. You can offer your heart again to the Lord, Mr. Robinson. It's not too late. And it wasn't too late for Robert Robinson. It was that incident in that cab with that young woman that caused him to face the reality of the life he'd been living, caused him to face the, face the reality of the distance that he had separated himself from God. It was that event in his life that turned him back to the Lord, turned him back to a, to a love relationship with his God. And as the young lady said to Robert Robinson, it's not too late. 
I would suggest to you as 2022 begins this next week, it's not too late. It's never too late to come back to the Lord. And maybe you've seen that bumper sticker that says, if you feel far from the Lord, guess who moved? But it's never too late to come back. And so Josiah becomes our model as we launch into 2022. He models for me and he models for you three commitments that we need to make. The commitment to seek the Lord rightly, search the scriptures regularly, and smash sin ruthlessly. Are you willing to make those commitments this morning? Whether you're sitting here in this room with me, whether you're online viewing this through YouTube, uh, along with Robert Robinson, it's never too late to change course and come back. And to say, Lord, I've drifted. I've allowed this distance to happen. I want to come back. Seek the Lord rightly. Seek the scriptures regularly. Smash sin ruthlessly. Lord, I'm grateful this morning that you're a God. You're a God who loves us, who cares about us. You desire a relationship with us. You desire nearness. You desire intimacy with us. But it's our our sin, our disobedience that separates us from you. And Lord, I'm convinced this morning that some of us here in this room have allowed uh, sin to enter into our lives. We've allowed sin to cause distance to separate us from you. That we've allowed things that we read, things that we watch, things that we listen to, to come into our lives, things that are, are immoral, unclean, Things that do not line up with the truths of Scripture. We've allowed these things into our lives. And like Josiah, we need to come afresh. To come to you for renewal. To come to you for refreshing. To come to you for revival. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is that each one of us would come to you with a commitment to seek you rightly. To search your scriptures regularly. And to smash sin ruthlessly. Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would come. I thank you for the great promise that that we have. That if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And I'm grateful for the simple truth that we confess our sins. That you are faithful and just to forgive our sins. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so Lord, hear our prayers this morning. In this moment of time. Hear our prayers of commitment. Hear our prayers as we say to you individually. Yes. I need to commit myself. To seek you rightly, to pursue you. I need to search your word regularly, every day. And I need to deal with that sin in my life. I need to smash that sin ruthlessly. Lord, hear our prayers, hear our hearts as we make these commitments this morning. Thank you that by your spirit you empower us to walk with you, to serve you, to obey you. 
Empower us afresh in the year ahead as we commit ourselves afresh to be the men and women of God that you call us to be. Thank you for doing that as we ask together in the name of our Savior, King Jesus. Amen. Why do we all turn this on? Why don't we all stand? Uh, we're going to sing softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling you to come home. Uh, as Pastor closed the sermon, you know, it's never too late. If you move far away, or if you're not with the Lord the way you should be, it's never too late to turn yourself back around and come back to the Lord. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is waiting. Hopefully, you want to put it in. We don't know. I don't know because we don't have some sheet music up here. So I'm just going to wing it off the belly. Here we go. <laughs> Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. sing that next verse this might be an opportunity for you to make a fresh start and a fresh year and again like I did last Sunday I'm just going to sit down up here and if you'd like to come and just pray together with me I'd love to be able to do that pray for you as you launch into the new year maybe this is a time for a fresh decision in your life maybe this is a time where you need to make a decision to invite Jesus to be your Lord to be your Savior so I'm just going to sit out here as we continue to sing, and if you'd like to come and sit, sit with me, we'll pray together. We're going to sing verse 3, David. Time is now fleeting, the moments are passing, passing from you and from me.
in your bulletin you see a reminder. Um, Lulu's son Noe has a birthday this week, and our good friends Jim and Faye Hawking with Water for Good have an anniversary this week. And so uh, we celebrate the, those things together with them. Friday night, New Year's Eve, we're planning a very special evening. We're going to share a first century communion time together. We're going to come with a meal. We're going to have opportunity to wash each other's feet as Jesus and his disciples did. We're going to have opportunity to share the bread and the cup together that evening, to share uh, praise and celebration at the end of the year. Uh, We plan to pray in the new year. Um, At 9 o'clock, it'll be 12 o'clock in New York, and so we'll pray in the new year in New York, and then we'll go home and go to bed. But uh, we'd love to have you come, and uh, the church is going to be providing kind of a a shredded beef sandwich entree that we're going to share. And I'm asking everybody who comes, either bring us a dessert or a salad to share. We'll have a great meal time together. We'll start at 6.30 in this classroom right here, and we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful end of 2021 and launch into 2022. Come and be a part of that time with us. We look forward to sharing that time together. God bless you much.